0: In the heart of a champion, there is a fire.
1: folks are making in this rough hour is trying to figure out how to fit a little more of God into their crowded lives we need to do the opposite start with God center your life on him and work outward from there
0: in the heart of a champion
1: and as we kick off this episode 107 of the code of man podcast that is is a fresh off the press, hot off the line griddle uh <laughs> quotation from John Eldridge's new book Resilient which is going to be at the center of our discussion today as we're going to be talking about how to build resilience in our summer and that that comes from chapter 9 of the book and boy I read that and Started underlining stuff and making notes on the side and actually the whole next page. There's just so much that has been good about that and we're gonna be talking about we're like a book club. By the way, I'd like to welcome my fellow bookies, easy target Corey Cantrell and Roland Napoleon Dean Carmichael. Welcome to our booking session. It's
2: good to have the band back together.
3: It's uh what's that song? Reunited and it feels so good?
1: Well, you know, I listened to the podcast you guys did last week and you know it was good, a lot of good material. I've already uh, referenced it to some folks and said you should listen to this and give it to some, some younger men that you want them to be encouraged that they can grow and develop because that's the theme of what you guys were talking about, how how you've grown and what's helped with that. But I gotta say, I gotta say, the end of that podcast when you were going off the air seemed to be when you were most energized and excited about the fact that this week all three of us would be back together.
3: The kissy sounds and all that? Yeah. Okay, yeah. now
1: that was just weird. Was it, it, call it like it is. It was, it was a little uncomfortable. me of the minions. That's what yeah. he was going for. Yeah, good yeah. job. Thanks. Well done. Yeah. So uh, it was a great episode, though. I did listen to it. I listened to it while I was away on my um, anniversary trip. But I do, I do have to say, <laughs> one of the things that just happened over and over again in that episode is the, the number of weird things that uh, Old Easy Target says over there. And, and and why I say that, I wouldn't bring that up because I don't like to point out flaw or fault in people. It's just eyes. not
3: his style. Yeah. The Here's reason the first sarcastic statement.
1: The reason I bring it up is because the very beginning of the episode he says something to this effect. Overtrek's gone this week doing what I was doing last week only with different people.
2: Yeah. I did say that.
1: <laughs> My wife was listening when when uh at the same time we were in the vehicle and she looked at me and laughed <laughs> my wife doesn't laugh at just any old thing it's like thank glad you clarified that
3: All right, so it i was guess wh- sorry I, I was just gonna say I, I really didn't think about it because i think i'm i won't say numb but i'm just used to you being you and saying things that you normally say and that is definitely an easy target quote right there thank thank you I think, that, yeah.
2: But yeah.
1: the but the other thing that I did want to point out was um, it was a little presumptuous that you guys wanted to call this the annual E.T. and Roland-Napoleon solo duet special or whatever it was <laughs> because basically you have established it that only once a year might you be allowed to do something without me, and I never said that. I mean I I, I said to E T, what if I have to be gone next week and I need you to cover again? Then this will be
2: then this will be bonus. All right. It'll It'll be it'll be an yeah. It'll be an very bonus.
1: Okay. Well anyway, I just wanted to clear the air on all that. Bottom line was great episode, top tier, right up there. Probably one of the best episodes you've ever done without me.
3: So we got that going for us. Yep, it was great. Huh. You sounded like a like the 44th president of the United States. It's up there, <laughs> top two. One of the best episodes you've ever done. 44th, right? Did I get that right? I think. No,
1: I think he's 45. 45th, yeah. 45. Oh, is he 45th? Uh, we're going to talk about being resilient today. We ought to do that. Unless you got something else you want to talk about first. Anything. This is, this is like, this isn't Friday, but it's the day before Friday when we air this, so it's like a free-for-all.
3: Well, i got to ask. Okay. Did you like the, uh, the Dave Compton introduction? Was that not cool? Well, yeah, I was taken aback by it. Well, I was but just put you on the spot, so I really guess you have no.
1: Well, I mean, since Dave Compton probably listens to our podcast, I don't. He want probably to, does now. Yeah, I don't want to say anything that I, would be. I don't think bad. he does. Here's the thing. I don't blame him. I'm jealous that you put Dave Compton on because his voice is richer, more inviting, more kind than mine. That's and, why uh, we put Dave Compton. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, look, you guys had to have fun with it. You had to drum it up. You had to try to you had to try to take it up a notch without you know when the cat's away the mice will play. I know how it works. Do you,
2: well, you know the best part though about the Dave Compton edition, other than having our good friend Dave so graciously contribute to that? The best part about it was hands down, Roland Napoleon coming into the undisclosed location the Wednesday night, literally five minutes before I'm about to walk up to kickoff service and get thing going. Old Dean
3: comes in like a kid in a candy store. AP, AP. A. Oh, no, 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 no. I was flagging him down. And his the, the first words out of his mouth was, are you flagging me down? Yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, the, the level of energy, it, it will never be able to be replicated. And the whole time that I'm listening to that audio clip, I'm getting excited, of course, because it's Dave. But I'm getting excited from his yeah. energy of, like, is this not the most awesome thing in the history of the universe? Okay,
3: so I'm on my way home from work. I get the great idea. I, I make the request. I don't anticipate hearing back from him. As soon as I get home from work, he says, send me the request, and he gives me his email. So I send him the request, do voice-to-text, lauren's in the van with the kids and i'm literally saying it in my phone so i walk out get in the van drive to church get here see i got a new email so i hit play and it's so welcome it to it the fresh annual to you. yeah oh man and so i go running in the church and i'm like hey and i flag them down and the rest is history the rest is history we we're all giddy and giggling like we normally do.
1: Well, I mean anybody that's listening right now that that attends a Wednesday night church service knows that if people walk in Wednesday night giddy and giggly, yeah. something's going <laughs> Dave on.
3: Dave Compton must be involved. Yeah.
1: Yeah, a- absolutely. Much much joy, a lot of joy in the room today as we're recording this, and because we're resilient. Yes. At least we're trying to be. Oh yeah. Uh, I mentioned earlier, Resilient, the book by John Eldridge that just came out uh, this month, actually. It's only been out for, I guess, two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. Pre-ordered the you day you jumped ahead and got the audiobook.
3: Yeah, so I think mine—did mine come out first? No, it probably no. came out the
1: same, but you got, got it and started listening to it on your drives to and from work. But I had already determined I was saving it for my anniversary trip, which was last week. Yeah, I, your
2: audio book copy came the Tuesday morning— that ours was on the Amazon truck. So, so you were able to, to access a little bit faster.
3: And I was pleased to find out that, just like in uh, Wild at Heart, he was narrating. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how much, because I have not read the the book yet, but he starts out the audiobook by saying that this is more than just an audiobook. So he's he reads it as if he's not reading it. He, right. he talks the book to you, so he may have added... I may have gotten more of an experience than you fellas did reading the book. I don't know, but he, he well, prefaces it at We tend to the be
1: beginning. behind you trying to catch up on most things.
3: Why do I sense you're being <laughs> sarcastic again? Well, But anyway.
1: to the point you just made, you're absolutely right. He's actually played three or four chapters of yeah. the audio book, yeah. and that's what he does. And it is a much more enjoyable experience than just hearing him read it. Not that that's bad, but because he actually just... You know, adds a little more and comments on it's it. It's like it goes. an
3: interactive audio. It's an
1: interactive audio book. It's well, like a five D.
3: The man's a therapist, and it really is. It's like you're just seeking him for counsel. It's like you're you're in the room with him, talking to him. Well, listening to him, and it's very rich. Which the
2: fact of him being a therapist was one of the things that I loved. When he gets to the point about. How spike ball was such an oh, important yeah. part. Yeah, I thought of you fellas when he well, said that. What I took from that was so the next time anybody's around the undisclosed location is like, look at our pastoral staff out there playing spike ball, we can legitimately look at them and be like, a certified
3: therapist
2: Has said that this is good for our a soul. A New
3: York yeah. Times selling Best-selling author, author,
2: slash world renowned Christian therapist said, slash
3: Godfather of the Code. slash
1: and We've got it on paper and ink, boys. There you go. Well, Legit. Uh, now we need to make some sense of this because we're not just actually here to do a book review, although we will reference the book. And I've got mine right here in front of me. i got the little colored tabs. I've got ink markings in it. There were, I, I mean, I, look, no shame here. There were moments that I was reading this book on the trip last week where I stopped and shared with Athena what I was reading. And, I mean, boy, it just tore me up with excitement, encouragement, and yes. and refreshment and 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 helpful uh, in what I was reading, so it's just a it's very good. But we will reference that as we go along, and you guys feel free to ping in anywhere with any kind of references. And by the way, credit to where it's due for Napoleon. You're the one that said one day, "Hey, why don't we do a podcast, a book review of Resilient?" And at the time, I thought, "Eh, well, whatever." But then it made oh, sense. <laughs> <laughs> it made it made more sense when I thought, you know, actually, it will fit well because. The other reason we're doing this right now, at least for me, I came into this recognizing that there were some things over the last month and a half. All started with a comment in a meeting that we were all a part of about <laughs> oh, yeah. how how much I've been gone lately. Boy, that bothers you. <clears throat> it did bother me. And
3: oh, what do you mean I'm gone?
1: And I was a little defensive. Uh, and and here's the here's the odd thing about that. I was just in my defense of my position at that moment. But what was odd about that was about the time that happened, it was almost like a foreshadowing because my world got super busy crazy. I mean, I think it had already started a little bit before that. It was the end of May. But in, into June, it, up until last week, which, again, it was refreshing. A lot of what I've been doing, all of it's been good. It's been ministry-oriented. Uh, it's been uh, or like the, the getaway with, with the wife for the anniversary last week. All of it's been good, but it has been a whirlwind of activity, and what I began to recognize was, okay, I'm starting to get that feeling like things are a little out of control. I knew I wanted to do some things in my life, and one of the things that I I looked at was this week away last week, the week away last week, was a time to read this book, but more importantly, it was a time to be with my wife, slow down, pull out of everything, and just enjoy some days of some solitude. Mm Mm-hmm. We both had our own solitude, but then we spent the time together just in solitude and quietness and it was very, very good and it was a great open door for some reset in my life. I need resilience. One of the themes that that has that is prevalent in the book is what about your reserves? Because if you've expended everything in the tanks and now you're tapping into the reserves, what happens when the reserves are depleted? Yep. So we've gotta start replenishing all of that and resilient resilience is a big theme in this. Let me start us with some scripture here. Luke 21, big surprise. Wasn't it amazing to you, by the way, how much Luke 21 was a part of the resilient book? And it should be. It's just kind of bringing all of that together. But Jesus, as he's talking about what life is going to be like for the believers in the last hour of the last days, he gives us a great look into this need for resilience. Let me read a few verses here to bring us into this. He's talking about how at the end and all this stuff that's beginning to happen, there shall be signs in the sun and the moon, verse 25 of Luke 21, and in the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear. That's a key statement. And why? For looking after those things which are coming on the earth. And I've said before, I like to just point this out. I know he's talking about all these like cataclysmic uh, Armageddon signs in the sky, but this men's heart failing them for looking after the things coming on the earth, that's a much more practical thing than we might realize because we're observing people who are constantly looking at what's going on in the world around them, and it is causing their heart to fail. All right, it's depleting them uh, in very deep places. And he says, and when, and then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when you These things begin to come to pass. Then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. Now he gives the parable of the fig tree and how when you see the fig tree begin to shoot, you know it's almost time for the figs and summer's at hand. And he says, in the same way, now, this generation shall not pass away till all these signs are fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Now here comes the meat of it. And take heed to yourselves lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, and so that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore, and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. One thing that's very clear in that passage is Jesus is telling us this thing will get you when you're not expecting it. It's going to catch you. You didn't, you didn't even see it coming. Mm-hmm. That's why you've got to be very... I'm going to use a word here that I, I think will come back up again. You've got to be very intentional about taking care of your heart, your soul. Verse 19 of this chapter, In your patience possess ye your souls. Verse 36 again, Watch therefore and pray. So Jesus is telling us, You guys, you people, my followers, You guys and gals, got to be very intentional about taking care of your soul in this hour you're living in, which do we need to give any amount of our podcast time to explaining why we believe this is the last hour of the last day? you know Anybody who is practicing some awareness, some soulful awareness, some staying in tune with God and the kingdom and the movements of the kingdom, I I think this is something that you don't need a lot of convincing on. We are in the last hours of the last day.
3: Yeah, and one thing to remind ourselves, too, is... During the Olivet Discourse when Jesus is talking to his disciples, he tells them about certain things that are going to happen during our age. And one of them is actually a pestilence, which is exactly what we're going through now and which is referenced very heavily, uh, especially at the first part of the, of the book, Resilient but just thinking about how Jesus has warned us and has told us about these things that are gonna happen during our age, yet we have nothing left in our reserve, and we, it every time it just catches us by surprise, and all we want is for things to get back to normal. Mm-hmm.
1: Be good again. So let me just ask you this first question then. In, in terms of the last you know, two to three months or whatever of your life, where do you feel like you have been lately, internally in your soul, and in terms of soul wellness? How would you describe the condition of your your soul?
2: So I've been thinking, and the word that that finally lasts onto me is encouraged. And by encouraged, what I mean is, so pre COVID, everything is wide open and sideways, busy. I, by nature, am a little bit more of an internalizer. You know, I, I don't. I don't like confrontation. I don't like diving into things. And so I would amass all of this stress and pressure and just feel on the inside just miserable. And the more things spun up, the more miserable I'd feel. Whereas now, what I'm aware of is we're coming out of COVID. Things are getting busy. Expectations are rising. People are beginning to expect you to do things. There's, But the reason that I'm encouraged is because I can look back and i can see how i'm handling things now compared to how i handled them two or three years ago and what i'm doing to get help and strength and i've i'm seeing where i still have room to grow but i am seeing growth and i'm seeing a difference and therefore i'm feeling a a lot better about my ability to handle the stress and the chaos and the pressures Compared to how I was a few years ago where it was like, oh man, this is just, I can't wait till
1: this is passed and then I can get a break. So case in point, earlier today, I made fun of his shirt. Sure and did. And you know, two, three years ago, it would have been tomorrow before he would have forgiven me. But today, I said, maybe five minutes later, you know, I apologize for making fun of your shirt. You know what, I think he got over it in probably the next half an hour to an hour. Really what has learned to happen is I'm just like... It don't bother
2: me. This is fine. I'm okay. I'm cool with I'm this. I'm cool with this. I like
1: it. <laughs> the word I had is stretched. As I got to thinking about that over the last day or so. I thought, you know, I feel I just feel stretched. And the the explanation of that is I look not only at my schedule. I look at the the uh, the things that I've been doing for the last 4 or 5 6 weeks. I've been on a lot of trips. Again, all of them were good. Most of them were related to, you know, ministry. Um, or just time with family—they've been good, but they were back to back to back. And then there's a lot of things that have to be done in between that. And you know, again, a period of time where you feel like you're not at home as much as you'd like to be, even in the evening. So the schedule was stretched. But I also noticed that my internal controls, my mechanisms for managing, disciplining my thought life and my 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 emotions, uh, were stretched. I wasn't dealing with things and managing things as well as I should. And then I'm going to make the mental stretching, again, more specifically the thought life. One word that is used a lot in this book that became a part of my vocabulary after this past week of reading is the word speculation. Because as Eldridge talked about speculation and how we can let that be something that we're we're just kind of speculating on, why this is happening or why that person is doing this thing and or why they're not doing this thing or we speculate to well this is what the end result is going to be this is this is just what's going to happen i told them but nobody listened you know that's speculation and i'll tell you speculation is draining mm-hmm. there's a it just pulls a lot of energy out of you i was telling you et on the way home from that trip i spent the first 40 minutes of that drive home speculating and spouting over something that my wife graciously listened to. At the end of all that, by the next day, I'm like, you know what? Why did I get myself all wrapped up around the axles over that? You know, that, that just doesn't help anything. And so I've been trying to pray against that. And that, that word speculation has been, become a part of my vocabulary or my thought processes. And, and so it's a category of life now that I'm, I'm trying to monitor. So, But I would say stretched would define where I've felt lately.
3: So I, I had trouble with this one trying to find out a word one word i would say um enlightened looking at at life as a whole in different areas and and in doing different things because i'm trying to be more resilient and because i'm trying to slow down and 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 not just uh let the days waste away enlightened a, from Mrs. Napoleon. I've learned a lot from my wife these last couple months. It took me 10 years of marriage to finally start to, to you know, really slow down and listen. But Thank you, Mrs. Napoleon. Thank you, Mrs. Napoleon. But very enlightened with how to handle conflict, with how to face problems, also how to grow from problems. One, one big thing is, and we talked about this last week, one of my big things is wanting to fix things. Mm-hmm. I'm a type A personality. I guess that's how you say that. Just, I want to go right to the fix, take control of it. Why stand around and talk about it? Because I'm like you. I, if I'm not careful, I start to speculate over things. I'm like, man, I'm just wasting my time. Where now, instead of trying to just fix the problem, ask myself, okay, what is God trying to teach me in this? And how do I feel about this right now? Mm-hmm. It, it, am I sad about this? Okay, let's be sad for a little bit. Let's try to find comfort and healing. So I would say if, if I had to sum it up in a word, that would be, that would be mine.
1: Well, I, I like that, and, and I'll say something that's kind of jumping ahead that we'll come back to. But when I listen to the words that the two of you use, encouraged and enlightened, what I hear there is for the next part of our discussion, which is what do we need to do to build resilience in our life? For the two of you, you're representing that side of it that says, okay, what do I need to keep in my life or do in my life that will help me stay where I'm at and grow from there? Mm -hmm. When I look at my my word, stretched, I'm looking at where I've been the last few weeks, and I'm thinking, okay, what do I need to either get back to doing or implement that's going to help me recover my resilience? Mm -hmm. So I think representing both of those sides of that means that wherever you are as a listener, We've got something, hopefully, from our personal experience that you can take and use and build off of. So what is resilience? Let's talk about this a minute. The word I used, and this is how I thought about the story I'm going to share with you about the survivor tree, the Oklahoma City bombing survivor tree. But what is resilience? Well, simply put, resilience is the ability to absorb stress and affliction while being stretched. And then release that energy before permanent damage takes place. The best image of that is if you took a rubber band right now and the loosey-goosey rubber band and you begin to pull and that thing stretches out. And what happens with that rubber band, when you let go of it, that rubber band comes right back into place. It releases that energy before permanent damage takes place. It's like a balloon too. You're blowing a balloon up. We've all done this. You know, especially when you're like, I don't see how big I can get this thing. (laughs) You know, camp, water balloon time Mm -hmm. at camp. Let's see how big we can get this thing. And it'll it'll stretch. It'll stretch and it'll stretch. But if you keep it up, the thing's going to pop. Okay, well, you can't put it back together then. Now, thank God our souls with God's help and grace can be put back together when we break. But we don't want to go that far. We want to have the resilience to come back into place, into the original shape, and actually even to be stronger. So... An amazing symbol of resilience is something that stands in the middle of the Oklahoma City National Memorial. And it is a 100-year-old American elm tree. Now, this tree was almost destroyed when the Oklahoma City bombing took place on April the 19th, 1995. There's pictures of this. you can go online and see it. The, the limbs of the tree were almost completely torn. It almost looked like you know lightning had struck it and split it in, in, in ways. But its, its trunk was filled with shrapnel from the explosion, charred because of the cars that were next to it that, it, that burned and uh, you know that had been parked there that day. However, a year after the bombing when survivors gathered to have a memorial ceremony at the site, the participants noticed that that tree, was blooming again, and there was, in fact, still life in the tree that, if you look at the picture right after the bombing, it's done. Cut her down. Bake firewood. But the tree was, in truth, bouncing back. It was being what we're talking about. It was being resilient, and it became a, a symbol of human resilience in the face of all that hardship and tragedy, and you, you mentioned it, uh, the pandemic, and as Eldridge references in the book, it wasn't, it's not just the pandemic. And we've talked about this. Mm-hmm. 2020 hit us, but remember, life in 2019 was chaos. Mm-hmm. Political life in America oh, for goodness. a decade has been just nasty chaos. Okay, so there's been a whole lot of stuff that's been building up over the years. So we have, as human beings and the human soul, faced a lot of hardship and tragedy. How did this tree, after such a devastating blow, Stay alive, and not only stay alive, but come back healthy and strong. Because if you see the picture of it today, uh, this thing is just a vibrant tree. I mean, it's lived another twenty plus years, and it's doing well. Well, the answer is found in the deep, extensive root system of that tree, because it had tapped in. Uh, it had the security in that you know, that deep well, that deep reserve to draw life out of so that even though on the surface there was the great trauma, below the surface there was this unconquerable strength in the roots of that tree. So when you think about what resilience is, that's what we're after. What is going to give us unconquerable strength in our root system? Now, I love Psalm Psalm 102, but I love Psalm 1. Psalm 102 or Psalm 100 also? I love Psalm 1, Psalm 100, Psalm 102. I love them all. But Psalm 1 is the one I'm referencing. You know, Uh, But it talks about being a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit in this season, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. I mean, that's what we want our life to be. I want to be that when things are really going bad around me. So that brings us then to the question of the hour what are we doing or what do we need to do to build this resilience in our life what are you guys doing right now that's helping you to maintain the encouragement and the enlightenment and that you're going to continue to grow off of and from my perspective what do i need to bring back in that's going to help me recover this resilience and uh, and, and and keep that keep those reserves full so we're just going to kind of do a round table here and share different things that we've thought about that is helping us right now and which one of you guys wants to go first? I'll go first. Mine has been maintaining
2: my perspective. Perspective mm-hmm. has been such a huge key for me from so many of the topics that we've talked about over the last several months and different things. This this last period of a couple of years has been has been a major paradigm shift in the way that I looked at things. You know, coming from a, a Christian background my whole life and a good foundation. There was just a lot of ways that I viewed things. There were a lot of opinions that I had about my own self, my own person. Okay, this is what I need to do. This is how I need to fix it. This is what God expects of me. And the the perspective shift of you no know, the only thing God expects of me is to bring myself to him in the current condition that I am that I am in and allow him to teach me what I need to learn and to guide me that has attributed to a a wealth of growth in other areas from my hesitancy to engage in difficult conversations. And, you know, now to say, hey, I don't have to have all the answers, but I can have this difficult conversation and in good faith, in trust that the Holy Spirit is going to come into my stumbling and bumbling and the way that I'm messing it up, my perspective of, you know what, I'm trusting him to say what it is that, that I'm not actually coming across clearly and mending this relationship. So keeping that perspective in line of, hey, you know what, where I'm at is, is okay. I'm, I'm on the right track. And the viewpoint of myself and where I'm at in my growth, this is where I'm at in my journey, and this is where I need to continue going.
3: Yeah. Um, for me, it's is to reevaluate so w- Last week we talked about Living the disconnected life We've been talking about that a lot I just listened to a book By Cal Newport Digital Minimalism And this is a book That when I read it I was already Well into it in my life It wasn't like I'm I'm opening it up And like oh man I I need to do this I'm agreeing with everything He's saying as far as Getting rid of and eliminating certain things and taking an inventory and and, and starting starting with the bare minimum and realizing okay here 's where I need to go. what do I absolutely need? Why do I need to have a computer? Why do I need to have a cell phone and then go from there and use it for the bare minimum. But after I went through that, I realized, okay, I need to go back and do that again because yes, I have been living a disconnected life compared to me three years ago easily but is that really where i need to be is there other things that i need to get rid of and part of this living a resilient life is understanding what do i need to do now for when these troubles come back when the next thing comes How am I going to be able to bounce back from it? Because right now, if I'm not living this disconnected life, if I'm just letting the world distract me again like I did three, four years ago, something bad would happen or I would just, all right, well, let's go binge on this. Let's go binge on that. And then, like you said, COVID came and a lot of us were just, we were blindsided and we were exhausted from the previous 10 years. And when it came, we're just, you know, we had nothing left. So my whole thing now is to kind of reevaluate where I'm at what do I need to get rid of and where do I need to get better
1: so you 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 brought me to a rocky reference oh boy this Rocky Balboa Rocky Balboa oh yeah not not Rocky Balboa the movie but the character oh. more Rocky three okay now look yeah Rocky three so you remember the beginning of Rocky three is the whole premise is he's been coke coasting along, yeah, and he's, you know, they've been hand-selecting the challengers, and and now along comes, um, Clubber Clubber Lang, I started to say Blubber Creed, Mr. T, (laughs) Mr. T comes along, and he's got to face something real now, something hard, Yeah. and Rocky's kind of, kind of been, kind of laying back and getting soft, he didn't even think about it, he wasn't realizing it, but he had Mick in his life saying, you can't do this because you haven't really fought In all, you know, for years, so it was that awakening that you know what I'm not conditioned for this. Well, what he had to do then was really drill down and get serious about it, and it took a loss first. Yeah, but but he got it right. Matter of fact, took a few few losses, counting Mick passing and everything. But it was a good analogy for what you just described.
3: Well, there was to a real life scenario of that back when I was a hardcore MMA fan. I remember Ronda Rousey because she was like unbeatable. And and people said that she was like the greatest female fighter ever. And you the know what
1: godmother she, of the code.
3: And no, <laughs> but you know what she did? She believed them. She believed her own hype, and she fought this lady named Holly Holm, who was just a superior knockout artist, and she made her look awful. I mean, she she caught her with a roundhouse kick right in the, right in the throat. I mean, it, it was it was bad. Knocked her out cold. And what I remember from that was how Rhonda was just, she was a celebrity. I mean, movie talks. I, I think she was in a movie. There was talks of her making doing a Roadhouse remake. I mean, she was everywhere. Meanwhile, Clubber Lane, Holly Holm, is focused on one thing, and that is defeating... Get that belt. Yeah, <laughs> right. And, and that... Pain. Pain. And that's exactly what what happens. We're so focused on every other thing, and then our problems, the enemy, is only focused on us. And switch, Rocky, switch. It's a great analogy.
1: Thank you. Yeah. A good practical thing to put in there is the value of journaling. You talked about your journal, which you left behind. (laughs) But... (laughs) <laughs> but in that journal are a lot of records of things you've learned. A lot of insights and yes. wonderful
3: things I could be sharing with you all right now.
1: And to a tip and technique to journaling, one of the great things to do is when you get something that is absolutely from God to your heart that is life-changing and directional, don't just leave that hidden in the interior pages of your journal. You take that and put put that at the beginning of the journal into the journal, somewhere there's a page where you're collecting those things that you know that was God's voice to me about something in my life. So for me, one of the things that I've recognized that is helping me and that I need to be conscientious of is learning to be gracious to my own soul. Here's the truth about me. The truth is, is I'm not perfect and nobody knows that better than I do. And a lot of times what happens to us is we give a lot of energy And we surrender a lot of ourselves to this recognition that, man, I am a mess, you know, and we just feel like we're getting it all wrong. Well, the thing about it is, we are getting it all wrong. We are a mess and we are broken people. The great thing about the grace of God is, is he knows how to work with broken people and God's not losing sleep over my condition. He is continuing to work on me and I've got to learn to be gracious toward myself Not to say that it's okay that I am broken or it's okay that I struggle with sin, but to recognize that that's where I am. You know, I'm I'm not perfected yet. I'm not complete yet. So I love Chapter 6 of Resilient, and the title of Chapter 6 is Unconverted Places. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: One of the things he says on page 102 is, first of all, let's remove the shock and shame of those moments When hard pressed, you suddenly rages, binges, goes faithless, or simply shows up as a very unappealing version of you. How many times have we done that? We've we've kicked ourselves and beat ourselves and held ourselves down because I did this again. Okay, look, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. Take away the shock and the shame. I love that he says that and names that and makes it okay. Number two, salvation is a process, not an event. Well, we've been talking about that a lot around the undisclosed location lately. And he says, you know, salvation, yes, it's a homecoming to be sure. The event is when we first believe on Jesus and we give our heart to him, but we understand that it's not an instantaneously life-changing thing. Not thoroughly, that is. And I made a note at the bottom of my, my page that false impression given by enthusiastic preachers has been the source of a lot of cast down disciples and closet sinners, mm-hmm. and and I like that he names that um, in that book. There are unconverted places in me, and I've got to be gracious to my soul and accept that I am accepted in the beloved. Yeah. So that's been a help for me. Something that I'm noticing that I need to practice being gracious to my own soul. And by the way, that'll help me be gracious to others. Yeah
2: that that whole section was was a great was a great. Portion. And, it, and my favorite along those lines was on page 104, at the very bottom, simply because the rage, bitterness, unbelief, or whatever pops out of the closet doesn't mean your salvation isn't real. It means parts of you are yet to be united to Christ. And so just to be able to to take that pressure off and say, oh, man, this flared up again. I'm a loser. I'm a failure. No, actually, that's the Holy Spirit revealing something in us saying, hey, There's still work to be done. This is something else to bring to me. This is something else to bring to Jesus. And when those things surface up, to be able to internalize and go not to some distant God, but to the God that is very real and very present. All right, did you have another thing, E.T.? Yeah, one more thing that, that we have been doing, and this both my wife and I together, is we've taken more concentrated time to read. Whether it's recreational reading, but even more concentrated where we're living reading. And then we're discussing it with one another. So I'm talking to her about things that I'm reading. She's talking to me about things that she's reading. And what this is doing is she's seeing where I'm growing, I'm seeing where she's growing, and it's encouraging each other to continue on. So more individual reading, but also more, what was the phrase that you used earlier? Intentional. Well, where you all were alone together. You, know, you Oh, you we we solitude? had a solitude yeah doing we're, the
3: same thing with another person what, <laughs> yeah. no no no
2: <laughs> but i mean i'm i'm reading something different There's than that what laugh. sorry i'm reading something differently than what she's reading but we're doing it at the same time and then we're talking with one another about it it's strengthening each other together and, and that part has has played a role in our spiritual resilience.
1: Well, I want to bring that word intentionality back into it and say this. Intentionality is what will build resilience. And it is the daily disciplines that center us in God. That is what we're after. So another one I'm going to say, and these are more of the internal workings of my my mental life, but it's finding the space to release some things in my life. Now, what what I mean by that is, I know Eldridge in the book here and in the Get Your Life Back book talks about learning to let, let go of things, but letting go of things that are not mine to worry over. And you said something earlier, Napoleon, about wanting to fix things all the time. I have recognized in the last week that I don't need to try to fight everything. Now, I've, re- I've, re- I've realized that before. But I get back into it. I get back into fighting things that I don't need to be fighting, okay? But I'm recognizing it again. I don't need to fight everything, and I don't need to try to fix everything. I need to trust God with things. And a case in point that both of you will know, uh, we've been talking around the undisclosed location about a building project, and we've been talking about this for two over two years. Three, three years. years. And recently... Um, I I got with uh, ET and probably even you in some sidebar conversations, but among our our group meeting, leadership meeting, and we've been sort of saying, all right, you know what? It's time to stop talking. Let's do this. Let's move. Let's get some things going. And we took some steps. We made some progress. But then it felt like it's stalling again. Well, one of the things I did last week was I felt my heart. I was praying over that. And I felt my heart just opening up to the possibility that maybe now's not the time. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a, another solution to the, the 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 issues that we're trying to address. And you know what? It was very helpful to me. Yeah. I just felt more at ease, and it allows that strength that's tapping into that, God, you're the one that's in control, and you know what you want to do and what you don't want to do. I'm going to trust you with this. So I would just say, you know, finding that release and learning to let some things go in our life is going to help a lot.
3: Yeah, I would say... Uh, my last takeaway would be to, and and what I'm going to try to do is to realign my focus. So one of my favorite chapters or one of the chapters that really stood out to me was the king, excuse me, the kingdom without the king. Mm -hmm. How we are trying to build a kingdom here on earth without Christ as our king. And one story, I don't, I don't think I've ever read this here. I don't have time to read it, but I don't know that I've ever referenced it on this podcast or not. But it's an old, I guess, a parable or an old an old story called The Sword of Damocles. Have I ever talked about that here? I can't remember. But long story short, there is a an individual, Damocles, Damocles, and he is telling the king, this is how great you have it. And you have all this luxury, and, and you just have such a wonderful life. I want what you got. And the king's like, all right, I'll let you be king for a day or whatever. So there he is. He's surrounded by everything he wants, arm's length. Every, every woman, every food, I mean, all the luxury, everything's there. And then he looks up above his head, and he sees a sword hanging there by a horsehair. And he's like, oh man, you know he's about to die, and that's what the king tells him. He says, that's what this is. You have all the luxury, you have everything you could ever want, but it could all come crashing down in an instant. Well, the kingdom of heaven is not going to be like that. This world's kingdom is like that. We can put our treasures here on earth all we want to, but this thing is eventually going to burn up, spoiler alert. But at any time, all of this could come crashing down. But the kingdom of heaven is not going to do that. Um, we're going to be with the Lord for for all of eternity. So me focusing on eternity and focusing on the kingdom and not putting my focus on something temporary, because if we're building up our resilience for just a kingdom here without the king, we're doing it for the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. So I would say just kind of realigning my focus.
1: So that goes back to he is coming again and... What well, we've been talking about, the second coming of Christ should be the first concern of my life. Right. And uh, that, that's part of what that is, and that's a great chapter. So, to close, or before we take the final comments from the panel, from the book group today, I go back to where we started with this quote from, from Eldridge where I, that I opened up the, the uh, podcast with, and I want to pick it back up on page 179 in the book. Here's what he says. Plan to become. The most converted person your friends and family know. So, why don't we go ahead and call this the new monasticism. Hashtag, Monk, monk life. life. That's not in the quote. That's me inserting. I was
3: about to say, I don't think he said that. Yeah. I, yeah.
1: But, back to the quote. So, why don't we go ahead and call this the new monasticism. Rearranging our days to be centered around our life in God, drawing upon His strength for our resilience. And I tell you, that, that is exactly what we're after. That is exactly what we must do. You, uh, you think
3: Eldridge will listen to this?
1: Yeah, he's probably already listening to it.
3: <laughs> wow. he's just that good. <laughs> I, I tell you. I mean, it, what if we put him in the show notes? You think somehow we, he'll stumble across it? Well, I'm
1: sure he's probably sitting around with nothing else to do. <laughs> we are uh, officially
2: recognized Wild at Heart partners.
1: We are partners with the Wild at Heart uh, You
2: can find our family, podcast yeah. on their website.
1: Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Get out of here. Nope. How you get out of here. How many is that? We didn't even tell you. <laughs>
3: no, 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 no. How, how did this happen? No, no, We're going to have to discuss that off no, air. No, no. we'll you know. you're, you're, You need to understand this is how it feels to sit in Napoleon's seat because I'm, <laughs> I'm late every time I record one of these podcasts, pal. Oh, so, yeah. But his wife's going to leave without him. Yeah, you just got to learn to be more assertive like I am.
1: Yeah, exactly. Oh, take it from Mr. Wow. Assertive. False over here.
3: Humility. Here it comes.
1: Well, any any parting words, gentlemen? We got to feel There's a lot you don't know, so we got to feel Well, fill let you me be more stuff.
3: assertive in saying thanks for having me.
1: <laughs> I got to go. I'm You're glad welcome. the whole gang got back together again. I <laughs> feel too. like we ought to sing that theme song from Three's Company.
0: And I'm door. <laughs> da 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 da, I'll be waiting for you. <laughs>
1: okay, that's a wrap.
0: In the heart of a champion. heart of a champion.